Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I want to throw this out to you. This is um, from the Crescent Project. This is their mission. I want to tell you what it is. To give every Muslim the opportunity to respond to the gospel and be connected to a follower of Jesus. Talk about a bold goal. I love that. My guest is Fuad Masri. He was born and raised in the war zone of Beirut, Lebanon as a third generation ordained pastor. He has an incredible passion for sharing the love of Jesus with Muslims and has been reaching out to Muslims and inspiring others to follow that example. He's been doing that since 1979. After coming to the U.S. to attend seminary, Fuad uh, just saw instantly the urgency for teaching American Christians to reach out to the growing population of internationals, particularly Muslims. So in 1993, he founded the Crescent Project to really nurture transformational relationships between Christians and Muslims and to rally the church to reach out to Muslims to share the good news of Christ. Always an incredibly interested and delightful guest. He's with me here for the full hour. Fuad, welcome. Hi, Bill. Nice being with you. Nice being with you. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about the Sahara Conference that's happening right now. Yes, Sahara Challenge is um, the name we give to our intensive training. We cover certain areas in building bridges with Muslims. Uh, Sure, we're going to talk about the religion, but we talk about culture, how to understand the 12 keys of culture. Each culture is different, and each Muslim country is different, so how how to master the 12 keys. And then we talk about magic and Islam. Uh, because Islam as a religion has a lot of magical things, mm. more occultic things, as well political. I mean, we all know that politics and religion are merged in Islam. Mm-hmm. And then um, we talk about cross-cultural communication, how communicate effectively in a way that's respectful, that's also focused on Jesus and being Jesus uh, to them. You know, when we speak like our Savior. And then we uh, cover uh, in a specific area on discipleship, uh, dealing with uh, women in Islam, dealing with um, refugees, especially as we see more Afghan refugees. We, part of the training is how to help people find where are the Afghans, what are their needs. Sometimes we think, oh, maybe they need to learn English. That's true, but some already educated. I mean, the United States built six universities there. <laughs> So a lot of people now have been to the university, so they maybe, maybe they're running away from the Taliban, but they're already educated. And so the beautiful thing is that the Sahara Challenge became an, a um, training ground for many years for people who are going to work in a Muslim community and among Muslim uh, people. And the word Sahara in Arabic means desert. And uh we see the Muslim world in a desert, in a spiritual desert. Yes, they have toys and cars and iPhones and computers, and they've advanced, some countries advanced in technology, some countries are 
going back to the Stone Age. But regardless, we see that there's a spiritual desert and Jesus is the water of life. So the challenge for us today is to take the water of life, our Messiah Jesus, to the area which is desert. No, Fuad, I'm a little slow when it comes to connecting the dots, and I'm just realizing that your conference started today, didn't it? Yes, today was the first day. No. This is our first time we do it in November, and the exciting part is uh, we um, have uh, lectures in the morning, 15-minute sessions mm-hmm. each online, and then uh, right after the lunch break, we have a breakout sessions in one hour mm-hmm. where people can join in from everywhere. Uh, the nice thing about being virtual is we have people joining us from Europe, from Africa. We have people joining from Ethiopia, from India, um, uh, China. So it's uh, like the area of Hong Kong and Taiwan. So we're really excited that people are joining from around the globe. I guess my point is you're in the middle of this three-day conference and you are so busy and yet you took an hour of your day today to talk to me. That's impressive. Well, you know, we got to take care of our friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way you've always treated us here at Faith Radio, and you've always treated me that way, like an instant friend from the first time that uh, you came on the show. So thank you for that. Uh, something you said in the last five minutes has already caught my attention, and you said that Islam has a, a connection to um, magic. I'd love for you to explain what you mean by that. Yeah, thank you. You know, Jesus invites us to a family. Uh, Jesus invites us to look at him as um, as the shepherd who takes care of the sheep. Uh, Jesus uses words like, if you're my hand, no one can snatch you from my hand. Um, uh, Christ says something uh, in the word you will have uh, have uh, persecution or, or uh, tribulation, or, uh, tribulations, mm-hmm. but, be, uh, but be confident that I have destroyed the word. Um, Jesus says, I will go to prepare a place for you. And when I finish, I'll come get you. So this idea, uh, Jesus says, I don't leave you orphans. Um, and then he says, I'm sending you the comforter. So this idea that there's this concept of security, this dependence on the Savior. Even when we pray, Jesus says, start your prayer by our Father who are in heaven. It's a family idea. I mean, you know, Bill, you're, you're my brother, you know. Before you're an evangelical believer or Christian believer, you you you're my brother in Christ. That's a totally different. It's not like a club. We're not in the same club or same political party. So that's that is not in Islam. Yes, they use words like brother and sister as part of the religious political sense. But when you look at God, God is the source of good and evil. God is unknowable. So what happened in the life of Muhammad, anytime there was falsehood or uh, problems or conflict, all his children died uh, uh, young or infants. The only one that survived was Fatima. So uh, Muhammad, all his life, he was afraid of demons, of jinn, of the devil. He was always afraid of curses. Even the last three chapters of the Quran are toward of jinn and word of curses. Uh, in one also Quranic chapter, Muhammad uh, asks his followers to use black magic against their enemies. So uh, we see that Muhammad was not sure about God loving him and being consistent. So he uh, he uh, wove uh, into Islam these ideas. You might notice that sometimes they put a hand uh, called the hand of Fatima or and a hand with an eye drawn in it. 
or uh, you might go in and you notice something in the house like incense, smell of incense, or or they might ask you not to uh, not to pour hot water in the drain, and you'd say, oh, I can't do that. Well, the hot water might burn the gin, the demonic activity in the drain. They they have all this theories and are and up around it. And many times, you'll discover that uh, when you talk to Muslims, they don't know Islam as a religion. They don't know the Quran. They know folk stuff. Hmm. Uh, I was just in Chicago, and I entered this uh, uh, restaurant, and on the front there, in front, in Arabic, he says, MashaAllah you know whatever god wills and they put that on top as you enter to word of jinn because they're afraid if you if you say what a great store that you know god is the source of evil to will will let the jinn or something to happen uh, i was in indianapolis indiana i walked in a, a restaurant and uh, the guy in, I, is an arab so he was talking to his employee and he said where is mustafa and he goes he's in the back doing a wasfi, and wasfi means an incantation toward of jinn. Uh, but that was a good platform for me to talk about Jesus and talk about Christ being the, the powerful Messiah who defeated death, who defeated sin, he was sinless, and he defeated Satan because Satan thought the story is over on Friday, but on Sunday morning, <laughs> our Savior risen and the church has never stopped. The message mm-hmm. has never stopped. Fuad Masri is my guest. Uh, Fuad, it sounds like Islam's uh, driven a lot by fear. Yes, sir. And even today, I mean, we've been in ministry. Many times you find that Muslims are interested, and I'd be like to share with you, uh, listeners, that in the last 10 years, it's increased of curiosity among Muslims. Muslims are very curious to talk about Jesus. They're very interested. Wow. Now, sometimes they don't make the decision and we think because they're not interested or they don't want to make it, that's that's not necessarily true. Many times they're afraid. They're afraid from shaming their family. They're afraid from a cousin or a brother who might kill them. Or they're afraid they're going to lose a job. Uh, and, and so many times it, it's not easy for them to vocalize their decision so they keep it secret, number one. Number two, they might not want to make the decision yet because they're afraid. And, and so there's fear. Uh, definitely they're fear also from the Allah that they are taught because the Allah they worship can strike you, can hurt you. Uh, and sometimes when I know some Muslims who became believers and they have a physical ailment and immediately the family says, see, you know, that happened because you left Islam. Uh, the nice thing how God works many times is is uh, we have a friend, Pakistani. Well, she got healed from the sickness she got. So now she's saying, well, I got the same sickness that other Muslims get, but, but Jesus healed me. So uh, the the fear factor in Islam is the biggest issue we have today. And if you look today in the Muslim world, they ban churches. Why? Why are you banning a church building? What's wrong with that? They ban the Bible. What's wrong? And I'm right here in the United States. You can read the Quran. Now. We can read the Mahabharata, the Rig Vedas. You can read Taoism. You can read the Quran. Why why forbid the Bible in your country? And I, I discovered because God, the Bible changes lives. That's the only reason they don't want it. Because if Islam is superior and if Islam is perfect, why why are you afraid from letting people read other books? So And then they ban, uh, in the Constitution says you cannot leave Islam. So many Muslims today are Muslim because it's the convenient thing. You know, it's not, you know, they, they didn't even choose Islam, it was chosen for them. 
So that's the struggle today. And, uh, and they come to the West and they, uh, or even, I mean, I was just looking at Cologne, Germany. They're asking for mosques for rebuild and call to prayer and all that, but they don't want to do the same in Muslim-majority countries. So that is a problem. As you look, it's not, it's, it's not fair. So it's run by fear. So somebody might be from Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or Indonesia or Malaysia, and they will tell you, well, I'm a Muslim because, because I'm afraid to say I'm something else. I'm, I don't want to shame my family or uh, I don't want to get hurt by someone. So there's a lot of fear included in the, in, in the religion. Uh, lastly, that I think many followers of Christ, uh, we, we, we have such a gospel that talks about freedom and grace and the loving Father, we, it's hard to us to understand that according to Islam, you get saved by your good works. So everything they're doing every day, they're afraid that's going to come back to hurt them on Judgment Day. That's the struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, Fuad, I got a bunch of questions for you. I'm going to take a little break. Fuad Masri is my guest. Crescentproject.org. Crescentproject, C-R-E-S-C-E-N-T, project.org. We'll be right back. is my guest. He is the founder of the Crescent Project. Crescentproject.org is where you can go learn more about his powerful ministry. He wants to reach the Muslim community for Christ. He also wants to equip Christians like us to be um, more effective at talking to our Muslim brothers and sisters. So, Fuad, I'm, the price of coming to faith in Christ uh, is pretty high. I mean, if you admit to your family that you've become a Christian, you can go to the next barbecue and get clubbed to death by a relative, huh? It's possible. And the beautiful thing about coming to the United States and these countries, a lot of people become believers and they they move. They move from their areas to other areas where they can uh, be practicing their faith. And in America, you cannot be persecuted to uh, and killed for your religion. Mm-hmm. So we can, we can you know address that that way. The other thing we're noticing as a ministry, we have so many avenues that people can get in, involved in. So uh, they can go to crescentproject.org or uh, C for Crescent, P for Project, and then Hope. One word, cphope.org, and it might be easier for people to remember. But when you go, when you get there, there are places we are doing ministry with Afghans now. People can plug in. They can say, hey, I would like to be involved. We have, uh, we have ways you can share the gospel online. Uh, we now have more than 400 volunteers, and uh, we call them online missionaries, talking to Muslims on a daily basis. Uh, the other area is to join the Every Imam uh, movement. They can get their church to be connecting with the local mosque. Um, additionally, we have English as second language. Uh, we're seeing a lot of traction, especially now that the pandemic is uh, almost gone. More and more people are coming to learn English. We're meeting again. Uh, and that's that's exciting because English is a great way to be involved in helping them. You know, 
we've all traveled where we don't speak the language and it's hard. And, uh, but if we can minister to the refugees, especially if they're Afghans, and see what there are needs. I mean, sure, definitely, maybe the first couple of weeks they have some needs of food and furniture, but then they need language. They need how to find, spot, you know, a spot to work. And, and that's the beautiful thing about the English as second language ministry that we have. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to Muslims, what do you find them to be most excitedly drawn to when you start telling them about the gospel? Well, the first, the first thing they want to know, why, why Christians are nice. Like they want to know why, why the Christian community is welcoming. Like right now, there are two camps, one in UAE and one in uh, um, Qatar, I believe, Afghan camps. And the countries are refusing to let them in. And that's what they call neighbors. I mean, you know, the Arab Gulf is neighbors to Afghan. We're not the same culture, but, you know, we're pretty close to them. And they are not willing to welcome them, but... Other countries, which in our mind are Christian countries, like Germany, like England, like France, like United States, like Canada, in our mind, these are Christian nations. So why are they welcoming us? And so that's the first thing they would like to know. The second thing, there's always a curiosity on uh, why Jesus is different. And and the way it, they ask it, they ask it something like this. Like they would say, uh, so why you, why you believe Jesus is the son of God? Well, and that and that word is is not the way they see it. Uh, they don't see the Son of God like we see Son of God. They're thinking of a sexual act between the Virgin Mary and and God, and that's that's a very bad thing that insults God and insults us Christian. That's but what they believe. They will ask you this: that God the Father and Mary produced Jesus. Yes, okay. that's why they say, "Well, Son of God," because there was a sexual act, which okay. is many times when they tell me that I say, "Excuse me, you just insulted God." And in, uh, of the Bible, and you insulted two billion Christians because nobody thinks that way. Not, not any Christian uh, believe. Even the cults, even Christian cults, don't believe that there was a sexual relation. It's a miracle. So many times, that's the hurdle. They they think that we are pagans because we call him Son of God. But that question is always a door. The other thing they will ask something like this: um, So what is different? about our faith. Aren't we the same? Because in Islam, they teach them that the God they worship is the same God of the Christians and the Jewish people. So it's very important. Uh, uh, the word I'm looking for is, it's very important to understand that what they're doing is they're coming, uh, they're coming at it from saying, well, we're the same religion, but that's curiosity because they're saying we're the same religion. What they're saying indirectly is, so what is the difference? You tell me. They don't want to insult us. So when they say to me, oh, we're the same religion, I say, well, not really. If it was the same religion, they will all be doing the same thing. Why there's difference? And that's that's the beautiful thing about uh, the, the curiosity we're seeing among uh, uh, Muslims. And th- th- it comes in many conversations. Where we, have a, we have a way to share the gospel with people in the business world. Uh, people work, we have a team working with women, uh, women and their needs and uh, we have a safe house uh, network where people can help uh, people coming out of Islam to protect them. So uh, it's it's important that people plug in and you can find out, yes, we will equip you, we'll train you. But the thing is, we cannot sit on the sideline. We have to get involved because Muslims are curious. They're asking questions. Fuad, I don't believe my understanding of Islam is that it's not a deeply personal faith 
So when they hear yeah, about a personal relationship with Jesus, they, they're scratching their head. Absolutely. Many times what happens is that uh, in, in their understanding is how can you have a relationship with God Almighty? He is the creator of the universe and we're just creatures. Uh, but that's the power of the gospel. In, in Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2, it says God spoke through many ways and through many prophets. But in these last days, he spoke through his son, Jesus. It's the idea that... Uh, God made the move. God reached out. In Isaiah 6, God asked, whom shall I send for us? The missionary God. And another, another text is where it says that Christ uh, was reconciling the world to, to, to himself. It's, it's amazing how the concept of a God who's uh, willing out of his love, out of his holiness, out of his mercy, out of his compassion, to reach out to a sinful person. In Islam, they don't have that. That's, it's too transcendent. Now, with the Sufis, the Sufi branch of Islam, which in some countries they're persecuted, uh, the founder was influenced by the Christian faith, uh, mostly the uh, Eastern Orthodox churches. So um, his idea was, how can we blend Islam and Christian thought together? So you have Sufi tariqat, Sufi ways about uh, roughly around 200 and these when you meet a sufi muslim their idea that as i'm doing the rituals i can do something more to connect with god on a spiritual level but it's more like spiritism not not the way you and i understand it like like you and i as believers i can be driving and talking to god in prayer as my heavenly father or my my you know my, my god i'll talk to him about things as as a as a friend who will never leave me. It's not that kind of conversation. Sometimes they use terms like this, but it's not that kind of conversation. So when you talk and, about... And because of that, we have to share with them that there is a God that loves them. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about Sufi Muslim, what would be the other, the other one? The oh, other yeah, kind. well, the, the Sufis can, uh, can blend in under any umbrella. Oh, the gotcha. umbrella is... Sunni and Shia. Sufism uh, started, I think, I mean, I think it's 11th century when they started. And the idea that, uh, I mean, it started nice. The founder said, uh, I want to love God because not uh, because I love God, not because he's going to take me to heaven and not because he's going to send me to hell. Mm-hmm. I want to love God because, you know, so that's that's an influence of from the gospel. He said something that when you when you go to worship God, you have to worship him like little children. Well, that's exactly from the words of Jesus, where he said, unless you are like a child, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's goofy branch. Good. We'll pick this up after the break. Fuad Masri is my guest and crescentproject.org. You can learn more about that. We'll be right back. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. 
glad to have Fuad Masri on the show. He is the founder of the Crescent Project. That's crescentproject.org. You can learn more about him. He is um, born and raised in Beirut, Lebanon, third generation ordained pastor. And he has an incredible passion for sharing the love of Jesus with Muslims and has been reaching out to Muslims and inspiring people like us to follow his example uh, back all the way back to 1979. So, Fuad, let me ask you, when we are encountering uh, Muslims, uh, I know in if we talk to someone and they say, I'm a Christian, that may mean any number of things. It might mean I grew up in a Christian home. It might mean I haven't been to church in 29 years, but I identify as a Christian. Maybe we would refer to them as a cultural Christian or someone that identifies as a Christian. Do you find that in Islam? Are there people that are cultural Muslims? Yes. Um, eight out of 10 people you meet are cultural mm, Muslims. Wow. Okay. That's a pretty high number. And the other thing, uh, Bill, that's many times you say, well, they do Ramadan. Okay. Well, how many people you know show up Christmas <laughs> on a Sunday? Because, you know, we're all visiting. We just opened the presents and, you know, and, and you find people say, hey, Christmas Sunday is like a huge attendance. That doesn't mean the people attending are not believers, but some of them could be nominal Christians. They're there because, hey, this is what we do. And grandma right. is here. So right. Go with her. Uh, well, the same thing happens when it's Ramadan in um, the beautiful thing that we were noticing is sometimes people get come to America and they find they meet a committed believer, a practicing Christian, and they see they're involved. So I've, I have a lot of people who call me and say, you know, I started talking to my neighbor and he had never been to the mosque. Now he's starting to go to the mosque. He's reading the Quran. I always tell him, great. And we say, why are you saying that? I said, no, no, let them study Islam. Let them see that Islam, yes, has some good things about one God about the prophets, Abraham, that's good. But they're going to see the major gap in Islam is how do people get saved? How are we sure of our salvation? What what does give me the power to live a godly life? Mm-hmm. It, it, this is what's missing even in nominal Christianity. What is nominal Christianity? Nominal Christianity is we do the rituals. We, do, we play church, as they say in English. We play games. And then that's it, you know. Know that the power... Is it, it says when you the Holy Spirit come upon you, you receive power to be my witnesses. It says that the Holy Spirit will give us power to live a godly life. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit will not only he's our comforter, but he's our guide. That's what the gospel is, is living day to day with the with the God's spirit in us and guiding us. That's the, what's the message. The message is not like, hey, look what beautiful band we have on Sunday morning. And so the same thing happens in Islam. There's so much ritualism. And so when they start digging deep, I tell my, my Christian friends, it's okay. Let them study. I mean, my professor at seminary, uh, uh, Dr. Woodbury was amazing. He said, the best thing you could do for your Muslim friend is help them think. And our Savior did the same thing. He even helped the Pharisees think. Remember the story when he said a man had two sons? And he, well, who was he talking to? He was talking to the Pharisees and the tax collector. He was saying, you know, the sinners <laughs> need uh, need God and the righteous or the self-righteous need, uh, need God. So it's okay to uh, help them understand the gospel. It's okay if they start doing the rituals and, quote-unquote, become more devout. Uh, uh, one guy started growing his beard, you know, trying to be like emulate the life of Muhammad and, 
and what happens in that it's okay because that's when they start seeing the the need for a savior, the need for a redeemer, the need for um, the this relationship with God that's not based on human effort. If they don't want to eat pork, great, that's fine. You don't have to eat pork. Okay, some love their bacon, some don't want to have bacon. Okay, how is that gonna affect my relationship with God? My relationship with God. The, the Almighty should not be based on whether if I eat bacon or not. That's that's a creature. That's a that's an animal, and so this is the power of of the gospel. It's it's a deeper understanding of the God of the universe. For what I'm curious as to why the explosion of Islam in prisons across the country. You've got these younger sort of testosterone filled men. What is the attraction to to Islam? Well, in, in many times, Islam is, is more focused on the man's, uh, for example, a woman cannot have four husbands mm. at a time, but a man can have four wives. Uh, in Islam, a man can marry a woman as young as eight years old. Well, some of those men are probably in prison because of statutory rape. And, uh, uh, you know, it's easy to say, well, if you were lived in a Muslim country, you won't be here. Uh, the Islamic law allows you. I mean, there's a country where it says the age of majority for women to get married is 8.9 years. Imagine, it's the 21st century. It's the 21st century, and nobody's discussing that from any of the women uh, women uh, organizations, that someone in a country is allowed to be married at age 8.9. And and that is that is a disgrace of the 21st century. Uh, so many times in prison, it it allows, it, it attracts the, these prisoners because it's a it's an easy way to say, oh okay. The other thing that that Muslims uh, mosque that's where they go during Ramadan. They bring meals every day of the of the Ramadan. So a lot of inmates would like to be, you know, they'll convert to Islam because they get to get out of the cell and have a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and my other question is, how many ministries? are working among prisoners. I think sometimes the absence of the church is the biggest problem. Um, so that's one thing. The last thing is I discovered that many times those who convert to Islam, uh, when they leave, are not as committed. They just feel like, hey, I, you know. The second thing, many of them become believers. And one of our team members at Christian Project, he converted to Islam in prison. He became a leader, came out of prison, and somebody shared the gospel with him, and he preached Christ. He's now in full-time Christian work. I love it. <laughs> he had already converted to Islam in there. And and you have to remember that these countries are collapsing, and the refugees are coming to us. In, in many ways, uh, it is going to impact negatively on our culture, and we need to be aware of that. But on the other side is this is the opportunity to share the gospel with people who've never even heard it once. I mean, I meet people in America who've heard the gospel multiple times and they don't want to become believers in Jesus. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair that people today on this planet have never heard the gospel once. So if they're coming from Afghanistan, let's go talk to them. If they're coming from <laughs> America, talk to them, you know? It's, then this is a free country. I, I was talking to at a church in Kentucky. I said, you know, in this country, you can change your religion every hour. Nobody says anything. So let's go tell them about our Savior and invite them to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Fuad, as a Muslim, 
do they strive to keep the five pillars of Islam? And is that the way they get to heaven? Yeah, the five pillars are, you have to say the Shahada, which is the creed. And uh, once you say that in front of a Muslim, you become a Muslim. Second thing you have to do is Salat. Now, Salat, they say it's prayer and it's a ritual. So it's common Muslims say, we pray five times a day. How many times Christians pray? Well, that's that's not comparing apples to apples. What they're saying is we do the Salat, we do the ritual prayer where you have to kneel and bow while Christians are not praying. But we are praying because for us, prayer is a, is a conversation, not an activity. That's it. You know, for me, if I pray standing or sitting or facing Jerusalem or not facing Jerusalem, I am praying because I'm talking to my heavenly father. So that's that's uh, the Salat. The Psalm is fasting during Ramadan and uh, people never admit it, but they, they do cheat. Uh, and uh, today in Islam, there's a way to change Looks like your right just showed up. No, that's all right. <laughs> There's a way to change what? Oh, you might have hit the mute on your phone, Fuad. Because we temporarily lost you. How about now? Can now you you're me? back. You're back indeed. Okay, Thank you. Sorry about that. Yeah, what no I was problem. Saying is that, uh, in Islam, because people skip days of Ramadan fasting, there's a way where you can do something to cover that. So you either add an extra day and fast to make it up, or do you pay for it? You do oh. something, you pay the mosque or something. It's kind Interesting. of the very work salvation. And then uh, zakat, which is giving two and a half percent of your income. But the problem with that is uh, what do you define as income? That's one of the issues. Second is to whom do you give it? It's supposed to be given to the needy. So sometimes it's organized, sometimes not. And then lastly, you have to do pilgrimage, go to hajj. Because Hajj is going to Mecca, many times people can't go. It's very far. Uh, the Salat is, is a regular five times, and some of those demand two or three kneelings. Uh, so we're talking about between uh, 15 to 20 times to kneel. Well, a lot of people don't do that regularly. Mm-hmm. So um, on Judgment Day, um, good works are one side, the bad works on the other, whichever way the scale tips. Wow. And many times, the reason they would like to convert someone to Islam, uh, at the core of it, is uh, they are told if that happens, God will get you into heaven. That's that that's such a good deed that'll cover a lot of sins. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, for us, yeah, we want to do good deeds, but the good deeds are, are a result of our walk with Jesus. It's it's a result because we love Jesus. This is who we are. We are no longer living for sin. We are living for the Savior. And, and Islam is a little bit the flip side. I'm doing good works because it gets me into heaven. Mm-hmm. Fuad, do the Quran and Muhammad af- affirm the Bible or do they reject the Bible? Well, Muhammad said that he's coming in the same line of all the prophets. So okay. uh, he says that God sent Abraham, God sent Moses and gave him the Torah. God sent, sent uh, David and gave him the Psalms. Uh, God sent Jesus, gave him the gospel, the Angel, the New Testament. And then God sent Muhammad and that's the Quran. The struggle with that is that the Quran was not collected by Muhammad. One is collected later, 
And the Quran today has many things against the gospel message. So um, we have no records from the days of Muhammad. So we only know today what Muslims tell us about Muhammad. Mm -hmm. There are no other records outside. Uh, For example, people say, well, what about the Bible? That's true. But there are records outside the Bible that talk about things happening in the Bible. So, for example, Pilate, he's found outside. Herod, the king, we can find him. The Roman Roman invasion of of Israel, it's mentioned in history. Uh, words like Pharisee, tax collector, uh, Samaritan, these are words used. Sometimes you read in the Quran, there's big problems. Uh, for example, Haman is mentioned as reporting to Pharaoh of Egypt. And that's just, it's, it's not right. Geographically, it's not right. Historically, it's not right. Uh, Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, is called the sister of Aaron, uh, the brother of Moses. And that's, you know, that's pretty, that's about 1,100 year gap. Right. So because of that, there's a struggle when you look at the Quran. And today in Sahara Channels, we just covered that uh, by Tuesday, by, by, sorry, by Thursday, We'll be covering a little bit how to um, minister to culturally and cross-culturally, especially to the Afghan believers, uh, the Afghan refugees. And and so uh, to, to bring the, the loop on Islam, to close the loop on Islam, Islam becomes very much a, a antagonistic to the Bible. So, so you'll hear things that, well, yeah, God sent the Bible, but the Christians corrupted it. Okay. Well, that doesn't make sense because this means Christians are stronger than God. And, you know, you can't say that as a Muslim. You can't say that as a Christian. If you believe that God exists, then God, you know, is the most powerful uh, person in the universe. So that's one one issue with Islam. The other thing is um, Islam moves to the idea that um, uh, Christianity is, is uh, loose, moral, that the best moral code is in Islam. Uh, that um, uh, Christians worship three gods. And anytime they say that, you have to ask them what three gods. And the most common answer is God the Father, Mary the Mother, Jesus the Son, because that's the Trinity mentioned in the Quran. They don't have the concept of Trinity of the Scripture, of uh, God, His Word, and His Spirit. They, that's not in the, what they're talking about. They're talking about God, Mary, and Jesus. Hmm. Which, which, I mean... If we as believers, we don't believe in that at all. I mean, if, if that was my faith, <laughs> I, can't, I can't be in this faith. But that's not my faith. My faith is God did a miracle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. So that's one of the, the other struggle with Islam and Christianity is the way people get saved. For us, um, it is based on the redemptive work of Jesus. And uh, in Islam, it's based on the works that each person brings, mm-hmm. and that's that's problematic because you're saying a human work can erase a divine insult because sin is a divine insult. Sin is not hurting my brother. Sin is offending God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's where I wish more churches mentioned that because a lot of Americans, and I've been in America now long enough, and maybe others, but they still think sin is like can be fixed by, you know, a few counseling sessions and some behavior modification. And you cannot remove racism from someone's heart without the Savior. Yeah. Fuad Masri is my guest, crescentproject.org, where you learn more about him and his ministry. We'll take a brief break. Be right back. 
My guest is Fuad Masri. He's the founder of the Crescent Project. You can go to crescentproject.org. We're talking about reaching Muslims for Christ. So, Fuad, when was the last time you were in Lebanon? Just curious. Oh, man, it's time for a trip. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've not been there since 2019. Yep. Okay. So, so, time to go. It's been a problem with the pandemic and of travel. Course. Of course. Situation. Yeah. So when Christians and Muslims sit down to have a discussion, should they start with discussing doctrinal misunderstandings? And is the biggest offense to Muslims Jesus? Oh, thanks, Bill. It's a good question. I got a call from a gentleman, minister. He said to me, Fouad, I'm talking to Muslims about Jesus. Um, how can I share uh, the gospel without the stumbling block of the cross? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I think there's a Bible verse on that, right? <laughs> because it says we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and the Gentiles. <laughs> okay. For, uh, for the Greek, for the Greeks. And he goes, for the Greeks ask for wisdom and the Jews are asking for a sign Mm-hmm. And I love this because the sign was the resurrection of Jesus. When they asked our Savior, give us one sign, he said, for this stiff-necked generation, one sign, the way Jonah was in the belly of the way for three days and three nights. So the Son of Man, Barnash, from the book of Daniel, that's a word from the book of Daniel. So Barnash will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And then the wisdom, where is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is the redemption, that humanity needs a redeemer. We don't need more politics. We don't need more money. Look at us. We have money. We have technology. We don't all that. We have a need for a savior. This is what it's so important. I, mean, I talk to college students. They're thinking somehow if we get a degree, that will solve the problem. No way. There are a lot of people with degrees, but they're addicted to sin to things that only Christ can set them free. Uh, uh, racism, right now, people say, you know, we, can, we have to talk about it. Well, g- good luck, because you can tell someone not to hate their, their neighbor, but that cannot be done. I mean, for me, I hated Jewish people and I hated Palestinians. It was when I got saved, when God took that hate out of my heart. It had to be done by spiritual uh, uh, um, renewal. It wasn't done because somebody told me, yeah, you should love your neighbor as yourself. That's great, but that teaching, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. So is Jesus a stumbling block? In some ways, he is, because he's saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In many ways, he's the only wisdom of God that the Greek are are seeking. Many times Muslims say, well, where's the wisdom of Jesus dying? We say the wisdom is that he didn't only die, he rose from the dead. So he died as the Redeemer, as the Lamb of God, but he was from the dead as the King of Kings, Lord of Lords the Lord of life, I, I know there's a resurrection from the dead because Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, in Islam, I don't know that. Muhammad is still dead and buried. Every time I go to Mecca to do my hajj, I visit the tomb of the Prophet Muhammad. So he's dead and buried. He can't save me. He didn't raise from the dead. Only Jesus can. So yes, there is that part of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. However, the Quran mentions Jesus in 93 verses of the Quran. So when we talk about Jesus, they know the name. They know that he was a messenger. They know he did miracles. They don't know what miracles, but the Quran says 
that Jesus healed the sick, did miracles, and raised the dead. Okay, well, great. We can tell him a story of Lazarus. We can tell him the story of feeding the 5,000. We can tell him the story of walking on water because these are the miracles of Jesus. So, yes, there is a point where Jesus is the issue and will be the dividing factor between faith and uh, not, uh, not uh, salvation. But also Jesus will become an entry point for any conversation because uh, Jesus is mentioned, so they know the name, and there's curiosity. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine, Ali, Ali was given a Bible, and what, what hit him for the first time is that the uh, prophets are in order. See, he thought Moses you know, came before Abraham. And when he was like, wait a second, no, Abraham first. So that was the first thing. The second thing was the uniqueness of Jesus' words and life and, and how he ministered to people, how he touched uh, how he touched the little children. And then that was a way that uh, uh, it was the, totally different than Muhammad. In, in, in the hadith, it says that Muhammad saw someone uh, uh, who was... Uh, who was blind and uh, Muhammad uh, calls on the name of Allah and goes the other direction because he was afraid that he would be struck with blindness. And so there's this fear uh, from the from people who are have ailments. Well, for for Ali, my friends, like no man, this Jesus touched the lepers and healed them. Uh, the other um, another believer, uh, Marzia, uh, Afghan believer, what touched her was the words of Jesus and how. Christ was talking to his disciples as a loving leader, as a loving father. And she didn't see that. She had a degree in Islamic studies and she didn't see that at all. And how Jesus treated women around him, how he uh, healed the, the, he raised the dead, the son of the widow, because it was her only son. He raised him from the dead. And it's amazing uh, testimony to our savior, who is the creator of life. And, uh, who can take dead things and make him alive again. Mm-hmm. Fuad, I only have about a minute left, but the idea that payment for sin is required by God, that's not a part of Islam, is it? It is woven all over it, not only through paying by works, but also 70 days after the end of Ramadan is the great feast. The small feast is uh, the, the feast of the end of Ramadan. The great feast is called Adha or Kurban or Kurbani. That's when they sacrifice a sheep. And you tell them, what? Why are we doing this for? They say, well, we're remembering Abraham's story. But you dig deeper, you find that that's already woven in there. And what a great way to use that as a bridge. I even wrote a booklet on it called Adhan Manjil. It's now being put to Dari. If people want to uh, support that translation, they can. They can go to crescentproject.org and click on the refugee disaster relief. But we're going to put it, we'll put it, we finished it in Pashto. Now it's in... Um, Dari, it's in Turkish, it's in uh, uh, Arabic, Russian, German. So we have it in multiple languages to explain that Jesus is the Redeemer from sin. Yeah. Fouad, you're a great man of God. You're a great brother. And thank you for the work you do and the, what you make available to all of us at crescentproject.org. Thank you so much for doing the show. I know you're in the midst of a very busy conference, and yet you made time for me. Thank you very much. God bless you, bro. Yeah, thank you so much. Fouad Masri has been my guest. You can go to crescentproject.org and you can learn more about that and I encourage you to do so. That is all the time we have for today. I also want to uh, say that we get a daily Bible verse sent right to your email if you want one 
You can sign up for that verse of the day at MyFaithRadio.com. I'd love for you to do that. And I will see you tomorrow. I hope you have a great night. As you lay your head on the pillow, know that God is working out his great plan in your life, and he loves you. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.